hello and welcome to the podcast. I really hope you enjoy listening. The purpose of this podcast is to give you an in-the-room experience as I chat with the leaders of our church here at Vineyard and also other people in the future as we discuss what we feel God's saying and what we see in the future of our church. I'd really like you all to be on the same page as we march into the future together. Good things ahead. Enjoy yourselves. Hey guys, welcome to part two of this episode. During the recording of this episode, we had some technical difficulties causing the quality of this episode to fluctuate. And if you haven't heard part one and would like to catch up, please search temporary name on your favorite streaming services and part three will be released in the next coming days. Thank you. Please enjoy. It's like I had a vision earlier yeah. in the year. I might share it. I'll see how we go. But there's a few things. So we've, we've sort of mentioned a couple of them, but I want to reiterate them because anyone's listening to this, it's probably good to stop and go, where do I fit in this? Because God, what God's clearly saying is I want you to be the church, not go to church. You said that a few moments ago. Yeah. Uh, and that's the key. The key here is we've got to stop going to church. There's been a separation this year. And I don't know if you've seen it in your church, but I see it in churches all over the world, wherever I'm speaking, and I'm talking to pastors in, you know, all over the place, is there's been a separation in their people from those that identify as wanting to be the church. It's saying, okay, here's my chance to do something. And mm. those that say, entertain me, um, give me something from the front. And so those people that want to just go to church have found this year, this year really difficult because they haven't got what they wanted. But yeah. maybe, maybe the consideration here should be that maybe that's, God actually doing something there to, to lead people into that place of being the church. And the important thing there is, I was thinking about this, that when Jesus comes back, he's coming back for his bride. Yep. And he's coming back for a spotless bride. He's mm. not coming back for a bride's maid. And mm. if you're not going to be the church, then you're not the bride of Christ. Mm. What you are, if you just want to attend church, you're um you're the lady at the bridal shop that's selling the dress, <laughs> or you're a bridesmaid, or a, or an ugly cousin, or something. I don't know what you are, but you're certainly not the bride. You know, the all bride, my cousins, all my cousins are good looking, Linz. Oh, but, yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I get your point. Yeah, yeah someone, someone <laughs> in the church will have an ugly cousin. You know, yeah, that's uh, true. But, um, yeah, and I just want to be inclusive in my language. No, that's so, right. I see when any of my cousins listen to this and going, oh, is he talking about me? No, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> Yeah, it's good that you clarified that. that That's was right. Worth, yeah. uh, worth some points. You might even get a Christmas card. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but no, I get you. I get your point. Absolutely, and we've been speaking on the bride of Christ ourselves. I think it's a very important part of what God's doing with His church. He's He's raising a bride. He's raising a bride, and, and this is the time to get ready. Now, getting ready. So, if we we talk about body and bride, they're the two real um, pictures we have in the New Testament of the church. Mm -hmm. That means the body's got to be fully functioning. And so whether you're an eye, whether you're a leg, you know, whether you, you know, I don't know, you know, a, you know, an arthritic, you know, left toe or whatever you are, um, <laughs> you've still got to be functioning. We need to be yeah. functioning properly as a body, mm, which is mm. the experience we're going through now is God saying, I want all of you to be mobilized and be the church, be my body, because mm. that body is what the transition then into the bride. And I'll, I'll come back to that in a moment, but, but, uh, so I think that's the key thing. So the key here is to, uh, church, churches need, us as the church need to be looking outward, not inward. 
if I had my way, I'd actually, I wouldn't use the word church uh, for our celebrations. I, I still use it sometimes now and I yeah. stop myself because I, I actually want to stop saying that because we are the church. We don't, yes. we don't do church, you know, yep. we don't yep. go to church, you know. We yeah, all know that, you. you know, but for hundreds of years we've practiced the opposite. So that's yeah. changing. Mm -hmm. And so, something happened at the start of this year, and I, I know I've shared this uh, a little bit on a recording you did earlier in the year, but with the breeze shifting. So yeah. the breeze globally, you know, God's always blowing uh, you know, blowing a breeze from one direction or the other. And previously, mm. as I've mentioned, there was an east and west breeze, which uh, basically is short. You know, the, the easterly breeze comes from the desert, brings death, decay, you know, distraction, disappointment, nothing grows. Then the breeze switches to the west and it brings the, the breeze from the Mediterranean. So it mm -hmm. brings refreshing. This is all about overcoming. It's about we have a problem, we get a solution. We have a problem, we get a solution. For 30 yep. years we've been in that cycle in the church. Our preaching's been about overcoming. Our, our singing's been about overcoming. And God was teaching us how to overcome. So it wasn't a wrong season or a bad season. But that season's yeah. over. The, yeah. the wind shifted at the start of this year to the north. Mm -hmm. Now, to understand that, and this is in the context of the bride at a moment, the northerly breeze comes from the throne of God. That's where Jesus sits. And so right now, we don't need to overcome anymore. We're not beggars. We're not struggling and striving. And it seems strange in a year of COVID to say this, because some people feel like they have been striving and struggling, and yet God is saying, you know, just relax, chill, mm. and, um, and watch me bring my breeze. So the scripture takes, tells us that the breeze comes from the throne of God and his garden becomes floral, and it has a beautiful scent that comes from it. Mm. What it's talking about is, and that's the season we've just entered, is the throne of God, the, the breath of God is coming from his majesty, and so one of the biggest changes, and we need to get this, is we've got to be centered on Jesus. This yeah. is all about Jesus. It's not about my problem and the solution. It's lifting up the name of Jesus. As we lift up his name, you know, we know all the old scriptures and songs. He'll draw all men unto him, you know. If we yeah. lift the name of yeah. Jesus, our problems do fall to the wayside. We need to use the name of Jesus. We need to not be afraid of talking about the blood of Jesus. You know, we need to get back to some of those roots because it's it's Christ that is our bridegroom. Mm. So all that to say. Yeah. Well, so one last thing, because this has been a long little session here. But, no, it's um, good. For me. But uh, when I declared that one million churches, something really amazing happened. I said it, and then I had people join my team and give money and a bunch of things. But as I said it, I looked, and I could see the throne of God, and Jesus was sitting there. And as I said a million churches, I saw Jesus stand to his feet. But I was acutely aware that he wasn't standing because of me or because I'd said a million churches. Mm. And I looked behind me in this room, and I couldn't see it physically, but I could see it in the spirit. Mm. And what I could see was the bride. Yeah. And the bride was just turning towards the throne. Yeah. And this is what Wonderful. I want to say, and this, this is what this is the lesson for the church this year, is we have to get our eyes on Jesus. Mm. And the bride, when it's ready, when we, the bride, are ready, we will turn our gaze. And as we do that, Jesus stands from his throne 
and that's where yeah, that's where the end of time happens. That's mm. that's bliss land. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, <laughs> the end game, the bride and the game. groom that's united. It. Oh, that's brilliant. So, yeah, it, that's encouraging again, Linz, because we're we're on the same track. We've been um, we've been communicating with our church uh, similar revelation, similar analogies. We we're on a I believe that brideship, and that's just the, the best I can describe it, and sonship are like the parallel, like the train tracks that that God has set us on for this for this season. It's that's the revelation of brideship, which is intimacy. It's yep. it's all about you and Jesus. It's that face to face relationship. That's I'm devoted. I'm in covenant relationship. There is no turning back. I said to um, I said to one team uh, two nights ago. I said. It's important that we understand that we are with each other. Full yes. stop. Not not with each other until or with each other because, but with each other, and that's that's a covenant. That's that's I'm here because God's planted me here, and I'm I'm actually married to Him, and being married to Him means that I'm in a covenant relationship with His people, because yep. His people is His body, Absolutely. and uh, and then and then sonship, the idea that. We walk in the authority given to us through the Son. Mm, yes. To, to go about doing the Father's business as, as the commission of His body on the earth. So the revelation of authority and representation of a Son, but then intimacy and covenant as a bride. I think that this is what God is. Is, is, is yeah. Re. Re. Uh, what's the word? It's 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 springing back up. It's flowering amongst us. Yeah, it's like it's reigniting, isn't it? It's like, it's like, yeah, it's like that's right. That's, it is. That's you know, the wind is blown on. You know, you know, you go camping enough to know when the you know, the embers of a fire are there and the wind changes and blows a different direction. The fire starts to build yeah. up again, and yeah, that's I, I think right. that's what's happening. I, have a, I do have a. Uh, there's a lot of other good things in this um, about communication and the way we do things, which mm. we can chat about in a moment because it'd be good to go back into positive, but I do have a fear in the middle of this as well, and that okay. is that we, the church, don't learn what God's trying to teach us this year. And the way has I, that happened? Has that happened in in, in history, Linz? Has the, has the church or God's people ever gone? Oh no, we we don't get it, or we don't want it. <laughs> I don't need to answer that. <laughs> I mean, everyone listening to this can answer that. I mean, yeah, slightly rhetorical, but because uh, uh, you can say, "Oh, God's going to have His way." Well. He does work with us, and there's plenty of cases where God's people have said, yeah, I don't think so, God. Uh, that's exactly right. And history tells us that we are going to have a problem because <laughs> people aren't yeah. going to respond how they should. But the so so what, do you think the, what do you think the choice is? What do you think uh, the, the danger is? Well, I think the, the, the fear I have is, uh, and it's not a fear as in it, it's more that I have a fear for the people of God than I don't have a mm. fear of God because I, I get this, but... Yeah. But if we don't get it right, we're going to have another shaking, and the next shaking is going to get what God wants. So what does God want? God wants the, the church to be released in full power into its destiny and purpose. That means every believer being mm. active as the church and as a Christian. And he doesn't want people just having a job on, on the Sunday or whatever day we meet. He wants people to be released totally. And... And many churches are not, they're hierarchical. And so there's a select few people that do things. And what my fear is 
this year, I think some people, have, they've had to release some people because what else do you do? You can't mm. meet. But mm. there's a lot of pastors and a lot of people in churches that are waiting for everything to go back to the way it was. And that's a mistake. Um, so mm. I, I have that, heard that a fair bit, actually, Linz. You have? You see I've, I've heard it. I've heard it. Listen, I haven't heard it from pastors because pastors, I think most pastors are, are recognizing now there's something new around the corner. We're leaning into the next here. But I've heard it from a few um, uh, Christians, believers that that aren't pastors. They say they say that exactly. I, I just can't wait for it to go back to normal. Yeah, which is amazing, really. And I think depending on your temperament, I mean, you know, there's all sorts of people who are going to fit into that. But that mm, that, that difference there, I see in two words, and um, we've talked about these words before, I'm sure. But you know, it's because a lot of people have changed this year, but they haven't been transformed. And there's a big difference between mm. change and transformation mm. and i guess mm. the fear i have is that the church again is going to change it's like we we have the latest conference and we change only to change back again then we hear another you know so it's what it's so joseph prince comes with the grace message so we change you know our view to that and and not saying we shouldn't have done that but but then we, we go, okay, what's next? And then we move on to the next thing. And, and we move on to that. And we keep adding all these things, but we haven't really been transformed. And so the way mm. I would describe mm. this, and, of course, this is what I write about, transformation, and the name metamorphic of our ministry calls is, is all about transformation. But change is something you can reverse. It's like, you know, I make a New Year's resolution. I go, I'm going to drop 20, you know, 20 kilograms because I'm fat, you know. So I'm not going to... I promise not to eat cream cakes till Easter, you know, some stupid <laughs> thing like that. But you know, that about the 6th or 7th of January, as I walk past the cake shop, there'll be yeah. cakes singing at me through the window saying, eat me, eat me, and I'll change yeah. back. I'll just – so people do this all the time. We go, yeah, I'll do this. But transformation is the caterpillar into the butterfly. And once a caterpillar yeah. becomes a butterfly, it can't go back. It's, it's yeah. all over. It is a new creation that's right. It's completely rebuilt. Totally rebuilt. Same DNA, mm -hmm. but re totally rebuilt. And mm -hmm. now it can see further. It can do things it couldn't imagine or do before. And what I really believe God's trying to do with the church now is, is bring us to a place of transformation where the people listening to this, people in your church, people from other places, will be able to do things that they never even dreamed or imagined because mm -hmm. God has gifted them so well and yet people are blind to what God's put in them. And God's trying to identify that and say, come on, stand up. I've got some great things for you. So transformation is really the key here. And if we don't get transformed and we only change, then I think we get shaken again until we transform and be the church. I, I know you've heard this story before, uh, but to explain this, uh, and mm. it's, it's a true story about um, your father, who, you know, who I <laughs> okay. love, you know, he's a great guy. <laughs> Yep. But I just want to warn the, the, the listeners, uh, you know, if, this might be mildly offensive if you've got sort of very sensitive to smell um, or if you're <laughs> offended by people that are bad babysitters because I would not get John Canone to babysit. But anyway, but he did do something nice for me once. And it well, was he looked after me my whole life, so... Uh, <laughs> it's worked for you. <laughs> yeah, it's worked for me, but maybe not for everybody. Yeah. No, that's all right. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Knives, knives, knives and fishing, you'll be okay if he's babysitting. But I've got when, plenty of knives, that's right. But when, you, when your kids are only one year old, they're not quite ready to go fishing. So uh, yeah. it's a wonder he didn't have them in the bathtub doing the old, the other toy ones. 
But uh, he, he offered to come and look after our twin boys. I got twins, and yeah. sent, uh, sent us out to go for dinner. And I said to him before I go, I said, look, the only thing you'd need to watch out, one of them might do something in his nappy. And if he does, here's where the nappies are, you know, just change it, rah, rah, rah. So he goes, oh, yeah, that's all right, I can handle it. Yeah, it's all, it's all good, mate, no worries. So we go for dinner. We probably took too long, you know, came back. And uh, when I came back, I was horrified by what your dad had done because one of my boys did something in his nappy. And what John had done was he got an old nappy, uh, sorry, new nappy, and he put it over the top of an old nappy. And so <laughs> we all know that's not what you do, you know. The, the whole thing is you, you get the old nappy off, you wipe the baby's bottom, and then you put the new nappy on. And uh, <laughs> But he just got the, the, the new and put it over the old. And my fear is that a lot of Christians do that because that's the difference yeah, right. between change and transformation. Mm. A lot of people get new ideas and they go, yeah, I'm going to change. New information, I'm going to change but they don't remove the opposite idea. And mm. right about now, God's trying to teach us to be the church, which means we have to actively say, I'm going to stop going to church, attending church. I'm going to come and celebrate, but I don't go to church anymore. I am the church. Mm. And we almost need to get up every morning, look in the mirror and say, I am the church. I am the church. And be probably, that probably church. That would be a good habit to get into. <laughs> I am the church. I am the church. Sorry, Todd, though, I told that story too, uh, if you're listening. No, no, that's a great analogy. That's a really good analogy because um, I, I see your point and I see you do see it happening. We, uh, we, we cover bad ideas or not bad ideas. We cover old ideas with, with new ideas, but at the heart of the issue, the old idea is still your, your paradigm. Yeah, absolutely. So now the other thing, Linz, and, and again, this is going to be, I'm going to, uh, what's the word, interrogate a little bit here. Transformation. How do you transform yourself? Uh, my personal belief is that you can't. I think any self-made transformation is actually just change. My personal belief is that it's actually Christ and his spirit that brings the transformation. Yep. So I think there's, there's two parts to this. Jesus talked about in John 15, I think it is. He says, if my words abide in you and you abide in me, Ask what you will and you'll get it. So he, he tells us the, the foolproof way to pray for a start, just as a backdrop. Yeah. So have Christ in you, Christ around you. So I, I have these Russian dolls. I love them. And I show pe people, and the middle doll is me, and the one inside me is, is God, and the one on the outside is God. So I'm full of God, and I'm covered by God on the outside. So I've I got to win. Yeah. But So ultimately, I think there's the spirit, but there's also the word, because Romans 12, 2, clearly says that we uh, should not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, transformed. by the renewing of our mind. Now, the yeah, renewing okay. of our mind is also a spiritual thing. It's not just a you know, blab-and-grab type idea or a positive thinking aspect. Mm. But the way I would describe it is from the Scripture, and I think this is the best Scripture to describe transformation and how we can be involved. So the power is God's, but we have mm. to make the decision. Uh, and we have a part to play. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So the scripture, you know, the scripture says, um, you know, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart yeah. brings forth, brings good, forth things. good things. Yeah. You know, I reckon you can put any word in there and it's true. You know, the, the grumpy man out of the grumpy treasure of his heart brings forth grumpy things. You know, the, the <laughs> yeah. faith-filled man. Yeah. So whatever yep. word you yep. put in there. So the mm -hmm. question is, what makes the man good? 
the, what makes the man good is the treasure that he builds in his heart. It's in his heart, and, yeah. Yeah, and then the result is he does good things. Yeah. So what we teach our church planners, again, and what I what I do as a discipline is if there's something in my life that I want to shift or change, instead of just putting a, an old nappy over the new from the old, from the example we used a minute ago, I go, I have to remove the treasure, the wrong treasure out of my heart and mm. replace it with the right treasure. I need God's help with that, but I'm the one that makes the decision. So yeah. I can right. become anything I want to become by changing the treasure in my heart because heart, what yeah. determines who I am and what I say and do is just purely treasure. So, um, And it's in your heart where your core belief sits. Yes, definitely. So, so yes. it's really about replacing what maybe we believe about ourselves and things and replacing it with what God says and what God believes about us and things. Definitely. And that's people. the renewing the mind bit, I think, is renewing our mind to not be conformed to the world, but come into alignment with what God says about us. Yeah. We have a, a sequence that we use, uh, four words that one follows the other, which mm-hmm. is the process of transformation. We say, you know, uh, what you think, because it does start with us having a thought. You've got to know, for example, you've got to know that you need to be transformed to be transformed, you know. So what I think will determine what I believe. Mm. What I believe will determine what I speak and what I speak will determine the outcome of my life. Some people try and jump from thinking to speaking or thinking to outcome and wonder why they don't see results. But I've got to, to meditate on the Word of God. I've got to think. I've got to think about how God wants me to be prosperous. And then it becomes a foundational belief. Now I believe it. But I don't just believe it because I heard one sermon. I've got to meditate. I've got to, I've got to read scriptures. I've got to... You know, you've got to pray in the Holy Ghost. And then when I start to believe it, my words have power. Mm. And so, you know, when you, you, know, you, you and I know this because we're preachers and we've been around church for long enough. Some people, when they speak on certain topics, have got amazing authority. And yeah. that comes because they thought, believed, and now they speak. So if I speak about money, for example, mm. um, there's authority on it. I can raise money really well easily, uh, not because I'm a salesman or something, but because I absolutely am convinced that yeah. God wants to bless me and he wants yeah. to bless you yeah. uh, and so forth. And so and the outcome is um, a good outcome. So yeah. that's transformation. And you've seen it as well. I, 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 I find yeah. that likewise, people who, who carry great authority on a subject um, isn't because they know it, but it's they've lived it. Yes. Like this is my yeah. testimony. And you can't argue me out of it. It's no. it's it's bedrock in me, and that's, uh, that's right. That's where the authority comes from. I've I've. It's like yeah. in the spirit. I own this space now. Um, you, you can't shake and it from me. Do. Yeah, that and outcome. So that. I know now there there are certain areas that I can declare. So people will say, "How are you going to do a million churches?" I thought about this for a long time. And then it became belief. So it wasn't, mm. you know, it wasn't just positive thinking. It was me going, million churches, let me think about that. What does it look like? And it's like it's just even church planning generally to mm. a point where I just believed with, without any hesitation or any doubt that we, will, not that we can do it, but we will do it. Mm. So then when I spoke it out, it had absolute authority. If yeah. I'd said a million churches two years ago, people actually would have laughed at me and they probably should have. But 
don't laugh at me now because mm. when I say we'll plant a million churches, if you're listening to this now, you can hear the authority and the anointing as I say that uh, because of that process of transformation. The only thing left to do now is the outcome we, and we'll see the outcome. So yeah. that's it. So, yeah. <laughs> transformation. Hey, good. folks, stop changing and be transformed and meditate on, start meditating on Romans 12 too uh, because yeah. we've got to stop believing what COVID says, what the world says, what your wife says or your husband says or your next door neighbor says and just believe what Jesus says because he thinks you're awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and he you does. are. <laughs> he does. There's been so much negativity in this year, Linz. That yes. the, the battle simply to stay positive has been, well, number one, it's been worth fighting because there's always a payoff for staying positive. But number two, it's been a great, actually been a great testing ground, a great, a great uh, uh, lit, lit, litmus test. Is that the hmm. word? Litmus? Yes. Litmus? It's, uh, it's been a great indicator of where, where, where my soul's at. How am I dealing with the negativity? What's coming out of me in the pressure? And... Um, you're exactly right. You, we, we, we just cannot pay attention to negativity. It's Can't okay it. to take criticism when somebody has their, their, their heart for you and they're trying to help. Yep. But, um, but just negativity for negativity's sake, it, doesn't, it just doesn't belong in the kingdom. Yeah, it's at all. It's not a part of God's vocabulary is, oh, I can't do it and I'm not sure and oh, we'll wait and see. Um, you know, God is full bore 100%. Absolutely. It's so true. And, you know, an interesting thing that happens when, and you understand culture because you guys have quite a strong culture in your church, but when pressure comes, culture really does emerge as a a sorting agent. And what Mm. I mean by that is the culture that someone has in their heart. See, sometimes people can be in the culture without the culture being in them. So true. If your church has a culture. <laughs> I was good. just talking about this a couple of months ago, Lindsay. Oh, this exact really? thing. I was talking about it with the, with the team. Exactly. That exact, almost the exact same language. It's like people sit in the culture, but the culture is not in them. That's, That's so right. true. Yeah. That's true. Because it's yeah. like if I go and live in Cambodia, well, I'm still an Aussie, aren't I? You know? And yeah, that's right. The first three years yeah. I'm there, I can't speak Cambodian, and I'm looking for a KFC every second day because I'm sick of eating Thai <laughs> food, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I'm in their culture, but it's not their culture's not in me, yeah. and that can happen sometimes in church life. But you see that particularly when the pressure comes on, mm. because when the pressure comes on, people's language gives them away, mm. and they will people will gravitate. I you know I, I've never seen this in your church, but. Um, uh, in your people, the people that, that, that I know, a lot of the people there, I've never seen it in the past, but um, but I see it from time to time. You go to a church or into a you know a meeting and the negative people will all find each other. I, I think I find that quite amazing. How you can have a you can have a thousand people in a room and five negative people from different corners of the room will find each other. It's, and it's, the reason it's is puzzling is culture, how that works. Culture has a language. Mm. And what do we do? We gravitate to the language that feels like home. So I, I want to encourage anyone that's listening to this to to really get in tune with the language of the house mm. and and make it your language because um, that's that's where success is built is yeah. on having that strong unified culture where we we speak one language and yeah. um, we're we're for Jesus and we don't have to agree with each other on everything. I mean, I'm sure if we talk for long enough, you and I'll have a stash about something, 
But um, oh, absolutely, and that actually that's that's something that I hold as a as a, a great value of mine, and I think that um, our church uh, is getting better at it. Is the idea that you know we can disagree on things, but it's not the unifying factor. What unifies is the fact that we love each other and we love Jesus. Yeah. And because we're here together, then you can think this and I can think that. It's not a cause for division. No. And um, yeah, I agree. You don't all have to agree on the same stuff. We yeah. love each other and, and we love Jesus. That's very, very true. So I the culture a- difference can be, I mean, I know we have cultures, specific cultures, and for you guys, mm. things like family and community and that would be entrenched in that. Yeah. But there's also been a culture divide this year that I'm seeing, again, globally, which saying this probably for the fourth or fifth time, but it's worth hearing for the fourth or fifth time, and that is the culture of being the church as opposed to the culture of attending church has yeah. really become evident in the language yeah. of people, mm-hmm. and so they speak differently. And it's almost like they speak in a foreign language to each mm-hmm. other. That's mm-hmm. been the divide. But I think God's doing that. Um, I don't mean he's creating division, but he's, he's separating. He's getting, he's getting the bride ready. Yeah, he's saying, "Who's ready? Who who wants to who wants to do this?" Yeah, and uh, I love it. I really do. Yeah, I love it too, Linz. I think there's good. I think there's really good days ahead. And I've said it a number. I've said it a lot of times, but um, in light of 2020, I still believe it. The next 20 years are going to be a lot of fun. Oh yes, yes. We are in for a roller coaster ride of a life. I tell you. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. I reckon that's so true. We are. um, I, you know, on a whole different subject, um, mm. I'm so convinced of what you just said. Here I am, um, you know, I know I look about 35, but um, here I am, 58 years of age, and I am just doing everything I can currently uh, in terms of health, fitness, and that to mm. get ready to absolutely run towards the finish line for the next 20 years or yeah. however long it takes. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. think we are in the best time in history. It's so do I. such a great time to be a Christian. Yeah, and, I agree. Uh, and, I, uh, and, we don't, and we're not going to have to do the fighting, overcoming thing if we get our head in the right space and just turn our gaze towards Jesus. Yeah. And uh, you watch. We will go to the top of the pile. Some of the people listening to this will be the Josephs in their community or their businesses, or they'll be the Daniels. Uh, that that you know are in the lines then that uh, that rise to the top of the pole. We mm. we are going to see a Joseph generation, a Daniel generation rise up in your church and other other play other church. Yeah, you know, the church around yeah. the world. I think. Thanks for making it to the end, guys. I hope that was enjoyable for you as it was for us chatting. We will catch up with you next time. Enjoy the rest of whatever it is you're about to do. God bless you.